0: reading
1: is taken from Genesis, chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, and can be found on page 3 of the Pew Bibles. The Beginning In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading can be found on page 1002 of the Bibles beside you, as well as on the screen. And it's the first 11 verses of the Gospel according to Mark. The beginning of the Gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written... In Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John came, baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt round his waist. And he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord.
0: today, it is uh, a great privilege that I welcome back John, our previous vicar. John, would you like to come and and, uh, share God's word with us this morning?
2: For your name's sake. (coughs) Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for your welcome. It's uh, lovely to come here this morning. Um, I I did wonder when I saw that notice about the the two parishes on the screen earlier, having heard it, of course, at the nine o'clock service only, but I did wonder when I saw it what a cross licensing is. Who is it that's cross? Well... (laughs) It could be the vicar because uh, he or she didn 't want to leave their previous uh, post, but uh, I thought it was time they should, or it could be or it could be the bishop or it could be the congregation, but a cross licensing does bring a, a strange image to mind, but I, I thought I knew exactly what Roger meant um, before going on, I ought to say that um, during the week, uh, I had a lovely opportunity to meet uh, Tony and Thelma Berry again, who are Uh, former members of this church and known to many people here uh, who of course live nearer to us now than we are to South Sea and though they are um, older and Tony is uh, quite frail now nevertheless they were in excellent spirits and uh, were lovely to go and see so that was a, a real a real pleasure and they do send their love to all of you here and um I'm sure that extends to those that they they don't know. They have such um, uh, warm memories of of belonging to this church and so much history here that they they still look back on it and find great encouragement from the relationships and friendships which uh, they had and all that was experienced together. Well, I'm glad to see your Christmas decorations are down and a a new year has begun. Obviously, the management of this church is is pretty efficient, and... um, Everything is tickety-boo, as it should be, if only. And whether or not you made personal resolutions for 2015, now 11 days into this year, uh, any of your resolutions and mine, um, had I made them, will be overshadowed vastly by the the happenings in Paris, the uh, horrific atrocities which have taken place there, um, three and four days ago. And they remind us sharply that whatever this year does hold for us personally as nations and communities, there are many battles in the broadest sense of that word which have to be fought, not least for one of the most precious gifts of all that the human race has, which is freedom of speech without fear. And of course, for those of us who've always lived in the West. It's been hard to see that day coming, although we experience it in small ways and then sometimes in more significant ways, um, more than we ever expected. And for those who are living in many other parts of the world, of course, the news and the lives they live are exceedingly tough and beyond my proper understanding. All I know is that there is much to be done in our prayer, in our living, um, in our actions as we're able to take them to preserve that precious freedom of speech in the West and, of course, more challengingly to pray for its coming in many other uh, continents of the world, not least the Middle East, where Christian people and other minorities have borne the brunt of persecution for several years and more. Personal starts are also um, possible and are welcome by the grace of God. And we should take them, I believe, whenever we can find them, not just annually or um, monthly or weekly or even daily, but hourly as as God in His goodness offers them to us. And that's what we've been celebrating in the opening part of the worship. I thought there was a real... Uh, sense of the kindness and the mercy, the tenderness of God uh, about the uh, opening part of the worship today, and I've noticed that on other occasions when Jill and I have been uh, uh, back here as visitors, not such a driven church as it used to be under some taskmasters, but uh, a kind and um, a gentle place, but with a real heart for the gospel and for the work of God to, to go forward. And I hope that that will mark all that uh, St. Simon's and St. Jude's share in the future. And of course, it's by the grace of God, the sheer undeserved goodness of God, that we can make new starts in our lives uh, at any and every moment. I hear, and I don't know if it's true, that a man battling with his weight and looking for a new start went to his doctor, and um, the doctor put him on the scales, and he said, well... As it happens, your weight is just perfect, but you seem to be 12 inches too short. (laughs) And another man said, dear God, my prayer for 2015 is a fat bank account, but a thin body. Um, Please don't mix it up like you did last year. (laughs) It's our nature as human beings. I believe, to try and live as we know we should. I think that's a God-given part of human life. But it's also uh, our nature without Christ to fall short. And it's the nature of God known to us in Jesus to offer us forgiveness and new starts when we need them. And that's the good news. That is the gospel, which was alluded to in the beginning of Mark's uh, account this morning. In fact, both today's Bible readings speak of new beginnings. Genesis 1.1 says in unforgettable words, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that comes as a wonderful, wonderful good news in itself, a wonderful assurance. Because if God set the world into being and uh, had made it and it comes from his hands, then surely it has an endless and a glorious purpose. That to me is a, is a strong implication of those words. And the writer continues to say the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And if our prayer can be nothing else for this year, surely it should be that the Spirit of God will be hovering over our lands, over uh, the regions of the world that are ours and that we know and that we care about and that not only will he be hovering but that he will then be active and moving upon uh, our world more and more apparently. God's creative and transforming power brought what we see and know and are out of nothing into being. I'm no scientist but I think the scientists have twigged that Um, somehow the earth came into being out of nothing. And I thought that was really heartening news. I did know it, Uh, (laughs) says he, not meaning to be arrogant. But by faith, you know it out of Genesis. And there it is. Exciting to hear, of course, of scientific work on this topic at any time. In the beginning, God are perhaps some of the most majestic words of the Bible. Impossible to contradict whatever the mechanism by which he is afterwards moved in order to bring what we see and know into being. And together with words from Revelation, those opening words of Genesis, at each end of time, bracket the Bible's truth and probe beyond it. And Revelation says, not only I am the beginning, but I am the end as well. And then tantalizingly, we read, Behold, I make everything new. So that as the the biblical story is winding down at the end of the Bible, the promise comes, I will make everything new. And there's another beginning to come as well. So there's Genesis, and then there's Mark, another beginning. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. And Mark launches breathlessly into his account of the long-awaited coming of Christ, that pivotal moment in history when God revealed and secured his irrevocable salvation plan, a plan that will stand, the cross will prove to be the centre point of history. And through that cross, the family God made, made for himself is being and will be reunited with himself. And it's possible for every one of us to recognize ourselves in both these beginnings, the common humanity that we share, and also the beginning of the new life through Christ, through his death and resurrection, which we are offered and by which we live from day to day. And I thank God that these truths, simple but incredibly profound and far reaching truths, stand over and above our lives to give us place and identity in this world and in God's love. And indeed, if we can think that far, into the age to come as well. And it's as we grasp this over and over again that new, new beginnings become realistically possible and even more desirable. So that whatever our, whatever lines we've drawn personally under last year and... Our performance and life of last year, and whatever lines, perhaps we drew a brief, brief breath for. Should never say that unless you fixed your teeth. Brief breath, <laughs> altogether. No. And whatever we've drawn a, a line under, I would love that the world could have drawn a line under. We don't lose confidence as the new year begins, and terrible events mark its beginning in some way. It would be easy to come to 2015 with very mixed feelings. In the Middle East alone, where there's been much suffering for Christians, uh, many missions such as Barnabas Trust document this more clearly than the secular media. And the historic church has borne this brunt. In Syria, in, in, addition, in addition to those killed, well over a million people have been displaced, fled their homes seeking something better. And they're not going back. Now the weather's getting worse either. And some of the places where hundreds of thousands are are in deep deprivation and uh, an icy winter grip. And simultaneously, the Western world has continued in its own spiritual amnesia with a church that seems to lag not only behind society um, in good and bad ways, but also lag behind, it seems, in the task of the gospel. And yet 2014 was also a year of hope in unexpected places. The advance of the church in China, the sharing of the good news across the Middle East and North Africa amongst many spiritually hungry people. Discover the demand for exciting missions such as Sat-7 Christian television in the region, despite the official persecution it suffers, and read and see the signs of those who are, who are soaking up all that it can share of Christ and Christian hope. Become aware of and pray for the working of God's Spirit in such places as well as at home. Now, even more that we are one world with global neighbours, it should be obvious. So overall, I thank God for new years and new beginnings in his grace. It's easy to be downcast in a dangerous world but we must be encouraged by seeing God at work in ways that don't hit the headlines every day, or yet, lest we become buried in our own thoughts and not filled with enough of his thought and vision and uh, overruling power. And 2015, and this is just a, 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 almost a throwaway in the middle of what I wanted to say, 2015 is a moment to refocus upon Christ as, and to regroup as his people, and to renew our commitment to him and to each other, to refocus, to regroup and to renew. That's so obvious. And yet unless we do them, we will start drifting away in our own personal life and faith, losing the anchor which we have in Christian life and hope. In Mark 1, the beginning of the good news about Jesus was marked by John's wake-up call to repent to have a change of heart and direction and make a new beginning. And he shook things up so thoroughly in the region that the whole countryside of Judea and and the population of the city of Jerusalem went out to him by the River Jordan to be baptised. That's quite a move of the Spirit of God, isn't it? That there should be such a stirring and both town and country were out there. And the very next event was, of course the coming, the appearing of Christ. So it's up to us to join the dots, to learn from the beginning of the good news in Mark, to take a long, prayerful look at ourselves as the new year begins, not to get buried in discouragement, but to be encouraged as we think of what God has done and is doing, to take a long look at the church and our hopes for 2015 and to begin to pray and believe all over again that the grace of God in Christ that hovering of the spirit of God which was present in the creation might again be present in our day bringing renewal and his power to bear upon those things which which stretch our minds and which weigh down our hearts and yet know that uh, the gospel will uh, prevail but moving on now to a more outward looking viewpoint Uh, although creation, incarnation, and redemption form a timeline which we can identify in the Bible and we can relate to as we think of God's work in our own lives, it's one that many people without biblical understanding find hard to make sense of, let alone see as unique. And in addition, there are others with Christian teaching or upbringing, but who have lost sight of it or shelved it or discarded it, And see the church just as a religious shell, making little sense and holding little attraction. And how do we bring this hope uh, to others as well? Because the church that lives for itself will die with itself, and the church that is outreaching will grow. Western society contains plenty of people in both these these camps that uh, uh, some have called pre-Christian, without a knowledge of the shape of the Bible, and post-Christian, uh, the many in our society who have known the shape of Christian hope and who've, who've shelled it and put it on one side and discounted it and discarded it. I know there are many shades in between, but broadly uh, those two categories. But as I see it, 21st century people are not without spiritual seeking or hunger. These instincts seem to me to be part of human DNA. Otherwise, why is there a near universal cry for fairness, for justice, for dignity, for respect, for freedom? I mean freedom, not license. And without the God who has given us the desire for them, life makes no sense. Secular society still covers spirituality, and you find articles in your weekend papers which speak about higher and better things, and uh, use the word uh, spirituality alongside the pages, which also speak about consumerism, materialism, sex, and celebrity. But I think the readers at heart know which are the valuable things and which are, in other ways, the short-term desirable things that a human spirit so easily craves. The God who makes sense of existence is the one who gives light to everyone coming into the world. There's something that we should should bear in mind, and not uh, sometimes treat the world as us and them, but we all as a group of people uh, who are seeking God and who have that uh, shape uh, of seeking him built into us. It's an atheist, I think, who said uh, a while ago, why do we still crave the God we have rejected? So take heart in your Christian faith, despite the immense challenge of sharing it authentically. It's desperately needed, and our lives should make it easier for others to believe, despite their evident frailty. Somebody said, didn't they, everybody's normal until you get to know them. Um. But there's another sense in which everybody seems self-sufficient and... uh, Uh, and well off and everything fine with them broadly speaking until you probe beneath the surface and uh, I discovered where we were after we'd moved from here that you should never judge a man by the size of his gates and there were a lot of gates where we were. But finally let's take one last glimpse at the beginning to anchor and encourage us. Because our hope isn't just based in a a creation, redemption, coming of the Spirit and future hope. It's based in something far bigger. We we concentrate our focus on time, but God, who is outside time, has a bigger hope uh, and a bigger life than we know. And John's Gospel, of course, which opens with the same three words as Genesis, in the beginning, is the easiest place To see something so profound. John, in the beginning of his gospel, wrote, In the beginning was the word. He went back to the very beginning, the start of the game, the square before Old Kent Road. Return to go. And he said, In the beginning, the beginning of everything, I mean the very beginning, before there was anything, I mean anything at all, got it? Was the word. And the word was with God. God and the Word was God, and he was with God in the beginning. I'm still recovering from the impact of, uh, of John Gray reading that in the carol service uh, to which we came before. At the end of a glorious service, these uh, towering words uh, swept over us, and they spoke for themselves. The Word was a term familiar to Greeks and to Jews who made up John's readership. The Greek word as you may well know, was logos, word. And it meant the spoken word and the unspoken word, the word still in the mind. It was something you can hear or something that hasn't been spoken but does exist and is going to happen. It means the reason in some sense. And when Greeks spoke of the word, they had the universe in mind. They thought of the rational principle that governs everything and is at the heart of everything. And when Jews speak of the word, they simply meant God. So John's prologue to his gospel spoke to Greek with no biblical background, the pre-Christian if you like, and to the Jew who had so much Bible that he didn't know what to do with it, as it were. The Word was the rational principle at the heart of the universe from before time began that governs everything. God himself, who, having made us, became a human being like us to save us and to restore us to him. And one day we will clearly see, over and above all the things that occupy our minds and sights and uh, the present time, how the existence of Christ with God, before all the beginnings we may acknowledge and know, outshines them all. So for all of us needing new beginnings with God and encouragement to trust him now in 2015, join and form a queue behind me because I'm in the queue and be thrilled with Christ who created the world, who came in time to redeem it, and who in the fullness of time will be seen as the one who straddles it altogether from before creation to beyond the back cover of the Bible. Believe more, not less. Don't water down what you have known to try and make it easier to be understood. Live out and believe out all you can grasp and take hold of and trust the Spirit of God to do his work. Take heart and make a new beginning with Christ in faith and hope. He is worth it. And so strangely and surprisingly are we, or he never would have come. God, by your grace, bless the people of this earth with peace, with freedom of speech, with healing, with hope, with a unity in the glory of who you are and always have been, and always will be, for your great name's sake. Amen.
0: Thank you. Thank you, John, for um, giving uh, us God's word this morning. And now Rosie's going to lead us in our intercessions. Isaiah chapter 60 Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Those are fabulous words for the beginning of this year in so many ways. For our responses today, from Isaiah 60, verse 1... When I say arise, shine, for your light has come, would you respond, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you, as we make that declaration over everything we're going to pray? Lord, we thank you for the new year which is just beginning. Thank you for all the good things you have got planned for 2015. And Lord, rather than New Year's resolutions, we pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know you more, a God of love. Lord, we think of France after the traumatic events last week, and we rise up in anger at the evil of terrorism. But Lord, perfect love casts out fear, so we pray, God, a fresh revelation of your love your peace and increased courage, especially for the church in France, but, Lord, also for the body of Christ, your people worldwide. We pray for wisdom and understanding for all those in authority in France and a release of your peace over Muslim communities. Lord, we stand against extremism and terrorism We stand against fear and division, and we pray that any evil plans would be thwarted. Because Jesus, you said in John 10, verse 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So God, we thank you for abundant life. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. We also continue to pray a crisis for ISIS and all other extremist groups operating out of the Middle East. We pray God for Damascus Road conversions within terror organizations, and that just like Paul after his conversion, many terrorists will come out and they will be preachers of your gospel,